Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas. Well, in the news this week, the boss of a USA company has been heavily criticized after he fired around 900 of his staff on a single Zoom call. If you're on this call, you're part of the unlucky group that's being laid off, said the chief executive of a mortgage company. Comments on social media said it was cold, harsh, a horrible move, especially in the run-up to Christmas. The gentleman who did this said that he cried during the call, but he then went on to say, I wish the news were different. I wish we were thriving. The gentleman also said that staff performance and productivity and market changes lay behind the mass firing of what he said was 15% of that company's workforce. Now, the point of my mentioning this is not in any way to defend the move by that particular leader. In fact, it sounds like he made a very poor decision, putting it mildly. But it did get me thinking about how leadership is difficult, how leaders, yes, they can make poor decisions, and how currently, according to Christians, sorry, mate, and how currently, according to surveys, a lot of Christian leaders are seriously considering doing something else. A recent survey said that 38% of those asked were seriously considering leaving ministry, and there were other rather challenging statistics about their mental health as well. Think about it. People who want everyone to wear masks are upset with those who don't. People who don't want to wear masks are upset with those who do. There are conspiracy theories, different views about when and how churches should be open for worship. And if you're the leader, you're in the firing line. You just can't win. So tonight, here on Lucas on Life, we're thinking about how we treat leaders. Leaders are human. It's not usual to share one's experiences in a bathroom. This is generally way too much information. But a conversational exchange that occurred during a visit to the facilities sounds like it's in order. Washing my hands, always a good idea, and never more so than now during this pandemic, the chap at the next sink shared a friendly greeting. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, he said. And after a brief pause, he continued, I must confess, I'm rather surprised to see you in here. With that, he beat a hasty retreat, apparently confused by a Christian leader who needed to make use of something as mundane as a loo. Apparently, we leaders are a rather special species of human with internal waste disposal mechanisms that are activated by prayer. But all leaders everywhere, Christian or otherwise, are well aware of their humanity and their fragility with it. And if they're not aware, they should be. God only uses ordinary people for his purposes, mainly because nothing else is available. The lingering eclipse of the pandemic has been horrendous for everybody, a disaster movie tragically come true. But again, for a moment, spare a thought and perhaps a prayer for those vicars, pastors, priests and elders who have shouldered the responsibility of leading the good ship church through these choppiest waters. Leaders have to strategize, plan, and move things forward. That's what they do. Fueled by the gift of agitation, they bristle at the way things are, and they have a passion to make an impact upon their world. The lockdown season had cancelled weddings and limited funerals. 
Leaders continue to proclaim the news of a God who is able to intervene, rescue and heal in a time when intervention, let's face it, has been lacking. During lockdown, they heard the whispers of congregants who wondered why we're paying the leaders at all when all they could do was stay at home and Zoom. And then leaders have been caught in the political crossfire again about masks and shutdowns and corporate singing. And they've watched as people have left the church, some insisting that COVID is an assault on faith and freedom. Others have been frustrated because we've been too lax and there's been anxiety for leaders because when all this is over, what will the church look like? As rumours circulate about hordes of the formerly faithful who are never coming back to church, with no plate to pass, how will the bills be paid? Preachers have peered into video cameras and smartphones and had to preach their hearts out to nobody in particular. Meanwhile, back in that bathroom, another example of my own bumbling gift of ineptitude unfolded. Hands open and upward in a rather worshipful position, I stood waiting for a blast of hot air to come from the automatic dryer. Thinking that the wretched machine was broken, it turns out that I was wrong, as yet another passing chap clarified. No, Jeff, that's not a hand dryer. It's an empty paper towel dispenser. You'll be waiting a very long time for some hot air right there. Yep, I'm a leader and human with it. Very human indeed. Philippa Hanna, Music Against the Odds. How we treat our leaders. Over the years, and because of the millions of miles I've travelled, I've come into contact with a lot of vicars, priests, elders and pastors. I've met selfless, hard-working souls who pour out their lives for their churches and communities. I've also met a few lazy ministers who would make a sloth look productive. I bumped into breathtakingly gifted entrepreneurs who would have made millions if they hadn't chosen their vocation, and others who are in the ministry mainly because they can't do anything else too well, and actually they don't do ministry that well either. It pains me to say it, but on a few occasions that's been true. I've met servant-hearted types whose ideal night out would be to gird up their loins with a towel, grab a bowl, and head for a local foot washing. And I've met a few power-hungry bullies who need to be taken behind the bike sheds and shown what bullying really looks and feels like. I'm not serious about that, but you know what I mean. I know. Now, I'm biased because I'm a pastor. And given the choice between engaging with pleasant, encouraging, smiling souls and those carping critics who make piranhas look like tame goldfish, I'd obviously choose the latter. But it's worth thinking about why we should be nice to the women and the men who lead us for one simple reason. Encouragement takes thought and strategy and shouldn't just happen because it happens. Years ago, Ian Dury, together with his blockhead friends, sang about reasons to be cheerful. And I think we need reasons to be nice to our Christian leaders, those people in the local church who serve us year in, year out. They frequently take the blame for God, you know. It's true. Christian leaders represent God who is currently invisible and at times seems unavailable, especially when things go horribly wrong in life, like this current season. When people get angry with God, unfortunately, there's no customer support line to call. So they frequently take out their frustration on the person they most associate with God, which might be their vicar, pastor, leader or priest. Getting slapped on behalf of the Almighty 
is not a happy experience. If we're mad with God, let's include a rant in our prayers because he can cope being God. He invites us to bring our frustration, our anger into our praying. If we don't, we're not being authentic. We can be honest with him. If in doubt, read the Psalms. But when we hesitate about being honest with our God, we can get frustrated with our leaders and our leaders are not quite as resilient as the Lord. If we think they're thick skinned and they can take it on the chin, we're probably wrong. The reason that they got into that vocation of leadership is often because they're actually sensitive souls who genuinely care about the world and about people. And being the vicar, when they get mad with God because God's people got mad with them, they have no one to slap. No one human anyway. Also, leaders are often required to say some things that they'd prefer not to say, because the Bible contains some very awkward and difficult truths. And if our leaders are going to be faithful in preaching those truths, they'll have to deal with some very tricky passages on sensitive subjects like divorce, war, adultery, sexuality, and brace yourself for the subject that tends to light the blue touch paper, money. Whenever we're speaking about these subjects, leaders are unlikely to please all of the people all of the time, which means they'll take some heat. We should cool them down with some kindness. When they tackle those controversial issues, they're demonstrating bravery, not bullishness. If they make a statement that we disagree with, let's allow it to get under our skin, circle our brains, fuel our prayers, and even challenge our hearts before we send that vociferous email. Come to think of it, we might want to think about cancelling that vociferous email. Leaders are also often the target for gossip. And I know that in most churches, Christians don't gossip, they share. Right. Under that guise of sharing, you know, please pray for the pastor. He or she is really struggling right now. We can give the impression that the pastor is struggling with faith and is now a fully paid up member of the humanist society, struggling with temptation and has opened their own private harem or is struggling with anger towards the congregation. Is now a serial killer whose crime pattern is striking down the after church cup of tea crowd while wearing clerical attire. Gossip destroys people. Let's not pass it on. The tongue is like a fire, and having experienced a house fire recently where our place nearly burned down, I saw at first hand the power of the flames. Gossip, according to the Bible, specifically to James, the half-brother of Jesus, gossip is destructive. Let's know that when we share those careless whispers, we can really hurt and damage people. Also, leaders don't have a hotline to God. Some people think that their Christian leaders have a VIP pass to the courts of heaven and begin each day with a happy little chat with God. They don't. Christian leaders, too, struggle with doubt, unanswered prayer, and going through wilderness times in their faith. They often appear more certain than they are, not because they're faking it, but because it's inappropriate for them to dump their own private struggles on their congregation every Sunday morning. If we sometimes feel that our prayer lives are a struggle, know that leaders frequently feel the same. These days, I'm more concerned about those who insist that God and them have interference-free conversations than I am about the souls who fear that their connection is patchy at best. 
Let's also know that leaders usually don't have a cunning plan for world domination. All right, there are some wolves out there masquerading as shepherds, and actually spiritual abuse is a very real problem. There are power-hungry, authoritarian, clerical control freaks who would be better at leading a fascist regime than a local congregation. Spiritual abuse does happen, and it's a very serious problem indeed. Some leaders do have a well-proven weapon that efficiently silences anyone with a brain cell who asks awkward questions. They just say that these people are being divisive, an excellent device for manipulation and control. But let's also be aware that the vast majority of leaders are ordinary people who are simply doing their best to respond to a vocational call to help people to discover Jesus. It's a difficult job, sometimes a thankless task. And as I said before, it can make us real easy targets for criticism. It's so easy to sit on the stands watching the game, telling the players who are doing their best just exactly what should be done. It's only when we get down on the pitch that we realize the challenges and the complexities. So let's not sit on the proverbial bleachers and just shout. Let's pray, support, go ahead, make a leader's day and help them out, perhaps simply by being nice. As we've been reflecting this evening on how we can respond to those who lead us, you know, one of the greatest things that we can do is to pray for them. I've been thinking about the Apostle Paul and his incredible ministry, the power of God surging through him as he continued to fulfill his mission. But I can find seven or eight times when the Apostle Paul specifically asked for prayer. You can find it in Romans, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, all over the New Testament, because Paul believed that prayer was powerful and effective. Writing to the Philippians, he said, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, all of this will turn out for my deliverance. He saw those who prayed for him as partners with him in his ministry. He wanted to serve the church well and prayed that his service for God would be blessed and that he would be bold and brave in his proclamation of the gospel. He writes about that to the Corinthians. He also asked people to pray for his protection and that he would walk in the will of God. And so today, as we think about leaders, let's not forget not only to be kind and encouraging, but to pray for them too. See you next time. Lucas on Life.